I kind of grew up around the idea of uh, what we call the song service. Don't remember that? We had a song leader. We didn't have a worship leader. Grew up with a song leader, and we thought, let's get that over with and get to the good stuff. And uh, be sure we're out by 12. But uh, God shifted that. We don't have song leaders. We have worship leaders. And we don't just sing songs, though we sing songs. But how many of you know there's a difference in singing a song and singing a song of worship unto the Lord? And boy, tonight, last night, what can you say? It's just really, thank you, worship team. Larry, you guys did an awesome job. So good to be back tonight. It's been a busy day. It's been a busy, a good day, but it's been busy. Good to have June here. She's feeling better tonight. And uh, I'm so glad. Good to have a pastor back there. Just met and then special joy and a delight to see Dr. Buckles here before me. Thank you, brother. I said last night, I, I repeat myself. I... In my heart, June and I so honor uh, your pastor, Pastor Larry and Nancy, are very, very, very special to our heart. God has chosen to let our paths cross, but we didn't, we didn't just intersect. We stopped at the intersection, and God knitted us together, along with, I could start calling names that are here tonight. Thank you. Well, Jesus is good. Amen. Take your Bible and turn with me. Uh, a couple of scriptures I want to look at first, but we're going to spend the good part of our time tonight in the book of John. But I want to go just for emphasis sake. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 1. Just real quick. Colossians chapter 1. I want you to see the truth that you know but that is embedded in one scripture there. Because I, I want to talk to you about what, I guess I just asked the question, what does it mean to have Christ living in your heart? What does that mean? I, 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 I don't want to be negative here, but I, I, I sometimes tremble that we reduce what we call Christianity to joining a church, going to church, reading your Bible occasionally, giving money, singing in the choir, teaching Sunday school, fill in the blank. Now, all of that is good. I didn't say any of it was bad. But how, you hadn't, but have we, in a broad sense, been greatly tempted to reduce to a churchianity and not a biblical Christianity. So we divide up in counts. You, you understand? This count believes this. This count believes this. And I'm not saying all of that's bad. But how many of you know uh, Pentecostals don't go to heaven? I hate to say this. Baptists don't either. Methodists don't either. Can you imagine walking up to the gate and it's not going to be this way, but can you imagine walking up to the gate and Peter says, uh, 
So you are, I'm Doc Shell. Uh, why should I let you in? I'm Pentecostal. Can you imagine? He goes, really? <laughs> I mean, you know, you fill in the blank. How many of you know? And I've, I've said this before here, and I don't want to tell that story again. How many of you know the only answer we've got at the gate is this? Why should I let you in? Now listen to me. It's because the man on the middle cross said I could come. What else can you say? By grace and grace alone. So I want to talk about just try to answer maybe and make some applications and see what God will say to us tonight about exploring what do we mean when we say Christ lives in me. All right. So we're going to start here. The first chapter of Colossians, and you know it well, you could probably quote it, verse 17, 27, I'm sorry. In 27, to, to them God will to make known, he's, he's referring to the Gentiles, <clears throat> to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory, now watch this, of this mystery. Now, I mean, you know, when, when God talks about a mystery, don't everybody know that mystery? Mystery is only known to those that are initiated into the revelation of that mystery. And they didn't do it by joining it. They, got, they were birthed into it. This is what it said. That, that what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is? Here's the mystery. Here's the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Paul said that's a mystery. I mean, you, you, you know, I love the, the story of the little girl went to the doctor and something, I don't know, cold or something, and the doctor put his stethoscope up on her heart to hear it, and she's just looking at the doctor and said, do you hear him? Who? Jesus. He's right in there. Now, come on now. When you think, now, come on now. Are we talking theory? Are we talking some religious jargon? Or are we talking about the one that made the entire universe because nothing came into being that came into being that did not come into being through him? Are we talking about him who lives right in here? And, and, not, come on, not in concept. Come on, you, this is more than a concept. This is a reality. Jesus. So, so that means no matter where you go, no matter where you go, you take him with you. So if you can't take him with you, don't go where you're going. I can, I'll, I'll tell you funny and get started. I'll tell you funny. June and I, at the time, had this little Toyota. Anyway, our kids came home one night. It was a drive-in. You know, I don't even know if it, they exist much anymore. But it, back in those days, it was a drive-in. And I had on, my, on the bumper, uh, Christ Chapel. That's where we pastored at the time. Big, big letter, Christ Chapel. So the kids came home one night and said, Mom and Dad, y'all need to go take a night off and go down to the drive-in. There's some, they were bragging about how wonderful the movie was. Well, so I don't know, like the next night or the next, I don't know. So we decided to, to uh, go to the movie. So, you know, we, I still remember it. So, you know, they told me what the price was. It was pretty cheap. And I remember saying, my goodness. So we pull our little Toyota down up on that little terrace row. You know how they you sit on the terrace row and you got to, Thing. Well, the last one I went to, Dr. Buck, you took the speaker out and hung it 
in the window. Isn't that right? There was no speaker on it. This is why I told you, and I said, honey, somebody stole speakers off this thing. <laughs> I wonder how I knew that. But anyway, so I, and so I moved down to another terrace row, and I said, they got this one too. <laughs> we moved three times to try to find one that had a speaker on it, and, and, and so we're down near the concession stand. Well, this, you know, we're, we're, we can see it, but we can't hear it. So here comes a guy out of the concession. I said, hey, sir, let me ask you something. How do you hear this thing? Oh, he said, you get it on your radio. <laughs> so he put his hand to the window and finds it on the, you know. Because I told him, I said, well, I don't know if you can get it on a Toyota or not. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. So anyway, we've, I know it looked like the Clampets claim, came to town. I mean, we're, we're trying to find a speaker, and then they don't exist anymore. That tells you how long it had been since we'd been there. So, so we, we get to, you know, we're going to relax and watch the movie and, all, you know. And we, we look up there, and then we hear that. And, and somehow or another, the Jesus in me didn't fit what I was seeing. Neither did it fit what I was hearing. And a sense of conviction came on me immediately. We, we, we turned that radio off, back that little old Toyota. I bet that guy thought, the Clampets are leaving already. And I remember... Going down the aisle in that little Toyota with that big Christ chopper sticker on the bumper saying, Jesus, please don't come while we're here. <laughs> I don't know how to ever explain it when I got to heaven. How many of you know, when you, now listen to me carefully, when you practice that revelation, you learn to walk, as old brother Lawrence said, you learn to walk in his presence. Somebody asked Catherine Kuhlman one time, do you pray long times of prayer? She said, no. I pray all the time. She said, I would not dare tell God I prayed an hour, therefore I expect. She said, I don't use the Holy Spirit. I practice His presence. Do, do you, isn't that amazing? I mean, you, you know, I heard Billy Graham say this. I don't know I said it. Billy Graham told the testimony, being on an airplane when some dude gets up half drunk, I guess, just ranting and raving and cussing and all kinds of vulgar language. And Billy Graham said, I couldn't wait for him to sit down because I was going over there and tell him about Jesus, that he'd get saved. And he said, uh, he sat down, I sat down with him. Says, I started telling the gospel. He just, he, immediately, it looked like he was offended. He said, what do you mean? I go to church, I teach Sunday school. Now, he had, a, he, he had a framework of religion. He didn't have a revelation of what it means to have Christ living in here. I'm going to tell you, when the church, when the authentic bride begins to get a little, a little more of an awakening about this in here, we're, we're going we're to see it, brothers. So Paul, Paul said it's a mystery now. The mystery is Christ in you. Let, let, me, let me give another look, look at... Uh, Colossians chapter 13. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 13. I'll say it right. Let me, let me show you the transition. I love this. Because here's how the mystery takes place. It begins. Here's what it says. He has delivered us from. Now, if he has, he has. For he has delivered us from the power. That's not the dunamis. That's the authority of darkness. Listen to me. 
When you know he's in here and his word is true, the devil doesn't have any authority over you. I didn't say he wouldn't attack you. I said he didn't have any authority over you. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, when you and I got saved, God transferred you. Now listen, He transferred you out of darkness into light, out of the kingdom of the devil, into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Now there is an eternal consummation of that kingdom, but when you got saved, you stepped into the kingdom of Almighty God. And that kingdom has a voice. That kingdom has a king. That kingdom, listen, has life. And the king of that kingdom is he who lives in you. Wow. Okay. Now, with that introduction, I want you to flip over into John 15. And let's, let's spend a little time there. And then we will go to another part of John 14. And then we'll be concluded In John 15, and I'm not going to read it all because you know it well, but I will try to explain something to us uh, out of John 15. It starts in verse 1, goes down through verse 8. It talks about three things. Now listen carefully. Jesus talked about Jesus is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser, and the believers are the branches attached to the vine. You understand that? Now, now let me say it again. Jesus is the vine. You can get in your mind what a vine looks like. The Father is the vine dresser. He takes care of, of, of the vineyard, if you will. The Father takes care of the vineyard. And we're the branches. Now, now watch this. Where does the fruit of the vine appear but on the branches? So that means my life, wherever my journey takes me, there is be a fruit of my life that I've been engrafted into the vine and the life of that vine is flowing into me wherever I am. Now, if it only works on Sunday, we need to get saved because Jesus didn't give us a Sunday religion. He gave us a seven day a week relationship. And I know you know that, but isn't it interesting that, that, that Jesus in John 15 begins to explain what I'm trying to say tonight. Let me say it for the third time. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser, and you're the branch. But he takes it a little further. In verse 2, uh, verse two through 8, he gets into something that we don't like, we don't like but aren't you glad that the Lord said, uh, <clears throat> and these are my words, he said, uh, you know, some of these branches are going to have to be pruned. I like, uh, I like one sister said, pruned if you do and pruned if you don't. You're going to get pruned. Now, now watch this. Now he said, for he that bears no fruit, he just cuts it off and it's gone. But then he gives us three dimensions of believers. He's got those who bear fruit, those that are bearing more fruit, and those that are bearing much fruit. Three levels. And there's two things that brings one, you know, I'll just call it level one, level two, level three. It's all in these verses. The first level is when you got saved, you bear fruit. When you got saved, if nobody knows you got saved without you telling it, question mark. 
That doesn't mean we arrived. That simply means we're different. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, listen, there, there was a couple, it's been years ago, uh, in our church that uh, he, he was, I'll, well, I'll just say who it is. His name was Ronnie Eads. He, Ronnie Eads, headed up the muscle shoals uh, horn section, and people came from all over the world at that point, like Nashville, to record in, in Nashville. I mean, in, in uh, Muscle Shoals, not just in Nashville. So, and he headed it up. But he and this, this gal was, was, was living together. Now, I don't care what you say. If you're not married, you better get married or get lost, one of the two. You, you got a problem, all right, living together like that. It's, it's acceptable in our culture, but not with God. But anyway, don't want to go there. It's another trail to go down. But, but he's sitting on the back row. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to him because the building we had, uh, you know, it was usually full of people, and I, I didn't, couldn't see everybody. So one, one guy came up to me that's part of our church. He said, come here, Brother Doc. I want to introduce somebody. And he said, this is Ronnie Eads and this gal he's living with. And, and I'm standing there like this. And, and here sits Ronnie and his living, you know. And I heard the Lord. The Lord said, ask him to play next Sunday. I go, I'm not, he, he ain't saved. I mean, I'm arguing with God. I'm not going to have him. Well, you know, the Lord's not moved by my argument. You know, that God didn't go, that's it, kill him. <laughs> he just said, ask him to play. Well, finally, you know who won the argument? The Lord did because he was right all along. I said, Ronnie, how are you? Now, he, you talk about a saxophone player. Oh, <clears throat> he was a good one. Anyway, still is. So I said, Ronnie, would you like to play? Oh, I'd love to. Okay, next Sunday, he's on the stage, lost as a goose in the fog. But you, and people would, this is the truth, people would come to Christ Chapel, not to hear me preach. they come to hear old Ronnie play on saxophone. I don't care how they came, they heard something when they got there. So, he's up there playing, and I'm thinking, lost as a goose in the fog, and I invited him. I preached that morning, Pastor. And gave an invitation. Guess who's the first one in the altar that God saved? Ronnie Eads. God set him up all, and he, he, he had to give me a good kick, get me out of the way so he could get Ronnie saved. Now, 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 now I had a point here. So Ronnie gets saved. Now, that's on Sunday. During that week, he calls me. He said, Doc, I don't know what's wrong. I said, what do you mean? He said, I can't sleep with her anymore. I didn't tell him not to sleep with her. Come on now. I didn't tell him he couldn't go to bed with her. I didn't tell him nothing. He went right home with her. But something had happened because the king had moved in resident in Ronnie's. Do you, do you understand why the king had moved in here? And, 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 and uh, they wind up getting married. And that's a whole other story. But what I'm saying, if, if, if when Jesus gets in here, Something happens, fruit immediately started taking, and in less than a week, he starts bearing fruit. Now, this old boy, Ronnie, he, all he ever did was drink beer, hang out in clubs, and play the saxophone. He didn't know nothing. We took him fishing, and he didn't even know how to fish. You can't go to heaven if you don't know how to fish. I had to teach him how to use a rod and reel. I mean, you know, he didn't know. All he knew was drink beer, smoke, and played saxophone. That's all he'd done all his life, practically. Now, that was fruit. Now, how many of you know that happens when he comes and takes residence here? 
But there's more to it than that. There's not only fruit, there's more fruit. How does God move me from fruit to more fruit? There's two ways. One is pruning. How many of you know God will prune what's in your way, not necessarily evil? Now, I, I know he'll do the evil thing. We all know that. But, but what if things get in the way of me bearing fruit, of me living like he lives in here? What will he do? He, he prunes it away. I remember one time years ago, we, we were making $3,000 a year. I was pastoring, going to school, and June was uh, working and trying to feed our kids. And, and then a, a business adventure came along. Ideal. I can pastor, I can go to school, I can do this business venture. And I took it to the Lord. I said, Lord, look at this. I can make money. And the Lord, this is what the Lord said. He said to me, the Lord said, yes, you can. But son, if you take it, it will distract you. See, immediately he pruned it before it got too far because he knew what it would do. It would have, it would have hindered fruit to more. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, you know, uh, there's just things in all our lives that we go, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing. It's just, have you know Mary and Martha? That's a perfect example. Come on now. Have you know Mary and Martha, Lazarus, two sisters, Jesus, dear friends? Have you know they all three loved Jesus, did they not? Come on now. Have you know Lazarus, Mary and Martha all loved Jesus? And, and watch the two sisters. Mary always found herself at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. Mary loved Jesus too. But she loved to do stuff in the kitchen. Now listen to me. It wasn't what she was doing in the kitchen. Jesus said, Martha. Now these are my words. It is not what you're doing in the kitchen. It's what you're doing in the kitchen. You've let it distract you. What is this distracting you? What is it that gets more of your attention than need be? Well, let me tell you, God loves you enough and loves me enough to go, snip, snip, we're going to have to get rid of that. Not for sin's sake, but for distractive sake. Okay, now, now, now that's for... The other part that moves me from fruit to, to more fruit is abiding. I'll talk about how to abide in a minute. It says, if he abide in me. So you go from fruit to more fruit, now watch this, unto much fruit. In other words, you're hanging. <laughs> the fruit of the lamb who lives in you is hanging on your life. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen him, for he and I are as one. Now, you're not Jesus, but Jesus lives in you. And you are, do, do, you, do you, I know you do, but I get so fired up about it. Do, do you realize when you got saved, 
What happened to you? You didn't just join some church. You didn't just get baptized in water. Now watch this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you were baptized into the body of Christ. In other words, you were baptized by the Spirit into Jesus. So that means when you got saved, God Almighty by the Spirit put you in His Son. Do you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. My God. And, and, and so how many of you know every time the Father deals with you, He has to deal with you through the redemption of His Son because you are in His Son and He doesn't deal with you any other way other than the redemption of His Son in whom li- you, lives in you. Do, you. do you understand? It's like this building. I can see, you could look through that building and see us because you can't see me any other way but in here. My God, that's not religion. That's a relationship with a living God. If any man be in. So you were, even even, uh, by the Holy Spirit, we were baptized. And then we were baptized in water. We go down in the water and, and, and come up. Come up out of the water signifying, bless God, I was this, but now I'm this. Hallelujah. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. I was dead, but now I'm alive. He's in me and I'm in him. That's what Christianity is all about. (laughs) So, so from, from one level to another, there are two things occur. Learning how to abide, and you don't have to learn how to be pruned. <laughs> You're not the pruner. <laughs> you, you know, uh, he, he's the pruner. The father's the vine dresser. Snip, 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 snip. I like what Uncle Bud Robinson said one time. He said, I was out in the cotton field. He said, I just laid down between the cotton middle. God, is what he said, God ran a river through my heart. And he said, when he ran a river through my heart, he said, I saw skimmings. And God just wiped the skimmings off. He said, he kept running that river and more skimmings. And he said, after a while, I said, oh, Lord, I'm turning to skimmings. He said, the Lord said, yes, bud, but what's left will be clean. Snip, 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 snip. Now, Paul said, all things are expedient. In other words, I could do it, but it's not to my advantage. So what do you choose to do? Leave it. Well, John Doe's doing it, and he loves God. That's not the point. The point is, he snipped me away from it and said, leave that alone. That won't profit you. Now, here, here, here's a quick answer. How do you abide? How, because he says here, if you learn to abide, you, 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 that's the other side of that coin. You will move from fruit, more, and much fruit. The pruning process is Father. But how do we learn to abide? Now, listen, I want to give you three simple, simple little answers, at least as I understand it. How do we learn to abide in the Jesus that we're in and the Jesus in us? Here's the first one. Learn how to continue to receive. Don't ever tell God you've arrived. You're always in the process of receiving 
more and more and more. Just like dinner tonight, we went to that wonderful restaurant and chicken. Lord, was it good. So I ate some chicken. And I ate some more chicken. As I said it at dinner tonight, since that cock crowed and convicted Peter, preacher's been loving chicken ever since. I want you to know I got a lot of chicken right in here. It's good chicken. It was wonderful tonight. So, so enjoyed it. So what did I do? I learned how to receive. So, so I, I, I learned how to listen to, to continually receive. I, I can I receive vertically, and I can receive from you horizontally. The second one is continue to believe. Don't ever use your faith as a past tense. I am I have, but I am, and I continue. In that, in that the way the whole New Testament, it's not like. Well, some people say, bless God, I got saved back in 1946. Yeah, sat, soured, and out, and did without ever since. Let me tell you, I believed, I am believing, and I will continue to believe. This is how it works. I got saved, I am saved, and I'm being saved. Huh. So it's always a process, okay? To abide, continue to receive. To abide, continue to believe. Now watch this. Third one, continue to trust. Don't ever lose the trust. That's easier to preach than it is to do. Especially when you need to. You know, it's easy to go, amen. And yet, when it comes to that. Let let me tell you uh, a track that I've been endeavoring to run on for a number of years now, but it, it, it ministers life to me. I'll just share it with you real quick. In the third chapter of Proverbs, verse 5 and 6, you probably all know it by heart. This is what Solomon said in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. First of all, he starts out, he said, <clears throat> trust the Lord. That was his first word. That wasn't a suggestion. Trust the Lord. Second thing, watch this. <laughs> Don't Try to figure everything out. Now, the, the, the new King James, lean not to your own understanding. Can't figure it out. I used to say, if I could figure it out, I'd trust God. No, you won't when you figure it out. Just go ahead and trust God and stop trying to. There are some things going on in the United States that's not your pay get raise. That's not your pay level. You can't fix it. I can pray, but I can't fix it. You, how, how many of you know you pastors here? How many of you have figured it out? You can change people. <laughs> I mean, I've tried. I mean, I've tried to change a lot of people, and the more I tried, the worse they got. I, I, I heard a preacher say one time, you know, I've been praying for God to change my wife. The one day I walked with a prayer room and heard her praying. <laughs> She is praying for God to change her husband. How many know you can't change people? So don't try to figure everything out in life. Go ahead and laugh a little. Come on. 
Have a little joy. Bless God. Listen, we're going to win this thing. I don't know what we're going to look like when we get there, but we're going to win this thing. How many believe we, the, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I will have the last word. So trust the Lord. It's right here in the text, verse, uh, there in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust the Lord. Don't try to figure everything out in life. Third, acknowledge that He is your Lord in all, in all things. Just acknowledge it. He is my Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that simple enough? Trust the Lord. Stop trying to figure everything out. Acknowledge Jesus is my Lord. Fourth thing, and He will direct your path. What if I don't know it? You don't have to. What if I don't see it? I don't have to. What if I hadn't heard it? Don't have to. What if nobody agrees with me? They, I, they don't have to. Why? He said he would. Are you, are you listening? He said he would direct our path. Now, to me, when I, when I look at John 15, that, that, that just fits in here. Okay. To me, Proverbs 3 is as practical as cornbread and potatoes. It just is. So you get up in the morning and go, I choose to trust the Lord. I'm not going to try to figure out everything about life today. I'm going to learn to life about some things. And in all things, no matter where I am, I'm going to acknowledge He lives in me and He is my Lord and He promised I'll direct your path. I'll put you foot. Hey, you know, you can pick it up, but he has a way of putting it down in the right place. Right here's a miracle right here. There's a miracle sitting here. Dr. Randy's a miracle. I mean, what do you think the guy's, you know, has this terrible automobile accident, and he knows to buckle up, but he wouldn't buckle up that day. Had he been buckled up, he wouldn't be here. He'd be dead. But when they found him, he's in the back seat. He wouldn't have been back there if he'd have buckled up. Why didn't he buckle up? I don't know, but I know this. <clears throat> I choose to trust the Lord. I'm not going to figure it all out. I'm going to acknowledge that he's Lord, and he will direct my path. Hallelujah. My sweetie said right here, doctor said, well, you know, she's got cancer, the fast-growing kind. She had already fought a battle with it before. Now she, she's got it again. And we're going to have to do some radical surgery and then treatments. And so we go to the Lord. Well, what do you do? Now, I think, I know God heals. He healed me. He's healed many of you. We know God heals. Listen to me. <clears throat> and I wanted a word from God that he just said, to Charlie, he was just going to say, forget it. She's healed. It's all over. Now, I suppose if my faith was there, now hand me the, let me stop and preach a minute. Hand me the, stop calling hope faith when it's not faith. You hurt your faith when you call hope faith, when you're hoping to get better. That's wonderful, but, but it's confident expectation. It is not faith that knows. All right, so we, she and I, separately, we start praying. So what, what does God say to her by herself? What does he say to me by myself? We didn't sit down and try to figure out God's going to tell us the same thing. She prayed, I prayed. And we sat down and 
sometime thereafter, and I said, honey, what did the Lord say to you? She said, he said, June, I'll see you through this. I said, she said, what did he say to you? He said to me, son, I'll see you through this. Now, you know what we did? We, we, we unloaded the trailer, set up our camp, pitched our tent, made a bonfire, and never did move off of that spot. Now, we had friends, meant well. Now, let me tell you what I think you ought to do. And we'd say, that's good. We thank you for it. We, did. we weren't ugly. But that's not what God said to us. He said, I'll see you through this. And I want to tell you now, now listen to me. It was miraculous to watch her go through it. There was no doubt at any given time you could see and know the hand of God was on her. There were things she never went through that everybody else was going through. And now the last trip at the doctor, the doctor says, June Shell, you're cancer free. See, do you understand what I'm talking about? That, that, that's the Jesus we know and love and lives in you. Now we go, well, I have some friends that died. I know I have too. I have too. But when, when you get a word from God, remember, trust the Lord. Don't try to figure it all out. <laughs> Acknowledge that he is Lord. He'll take care of everything else. Okay. Well, it, it ends by talking about the much fruiters brings great glory to God. I want to be one of them, don't you? And I know you do. I, I want to be one who bears much fruit. So, keep that in your mind and back up just a little in John chapter 14. Would you look at verse 12 with me? 12, 13, and 14. And we're going to read it, then we're going to talk about it, okay? Verse 12, most, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, is that you? Can I have an amen? That's you, isn't it? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, you can argue that all day, but it, when you argue it all day, when you come back and settle it, it still means what it says. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean God lied. That means I might not have believed what he said. The fact of the matter, we don't believe everything we read. We want to, but we don't. Come on now. Be honest. Let's be honest about it. You don't believe everything you read. You want to. I do every, I'm like, yeah, praise God, I got it. But I don't. And sometimes it's a process that God takes me through until the Spirit can get me to the place that, that I'm lined up to believe it. God's working the bigger work. So let, let, let me look at that with you. I, I love this. Look at verse 12 now. Let's be, let's be honest about it. And let's don't go, yes, I know, preacher, but. That's goat language, but, you know. I mean, that's what goats do. You're sheep, not goats. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Now, that's who he's talking to. 
He's not addressing the world. He's speaking only to believers that believe in Jesus. He said, the works that I do, he will do also. First point. The one who believes shall continue the work of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about redemption. I'm talking about the work of Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible says? He who believes in me shall pick up where I left off. That's my word. And continue the work of Jesus. In other words, he or she will do what I did while I was there. Come on now. Is that in your Bible? Thank you. I know, go, yeah, I know, well, I don't, you know, I don't, ain't no, you know what I heard, ain't nobody can understand the Bible, then why did God give it to us? I didn't say I understood all of it, but I understand enough of it that got me saved. So he, he says it right here. And, and, and listen, if he says it, I say to you the works that I do, he will do also. Now, now come on now. What did he just do? do? He preached the gospel, we know that. But we are better at explaining the kingdom than we are demonstrating it. We're, we're better at explaining the gospel than we are demonstrating the gospel. Now, I don't mean ugly. Please don't take that the wrong way. I'm just, I'm just saying it is easier to preach and try to explain it without demonstrating it. I mean, it's, it's, I've told you this before. It's like I, I was preaching that night in that Baptist church. And on the second row, she, she, second right there, she died while I was preaching. I've been preaching all week long. Started Sunday night, this is Friday, I've been preaching on the anointing. <laughs> and she died, and she just fell over. Well, I mean, I thought, you heard the story. I, I thought, well, you know, she's having a seizure. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm preaching like this, I'm up in the pulpit. And I saw her just fall over. So what did I do? I just looked at the wall and kept on preaching. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? What do you do? I know my preaching wasn't that good, but my goodness, anyway. And she just, she just fell over. And, and, and then in a minute, she just started turning dark. Just dark. And I looked back over there at her, and she just slumped over. And, 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 and her, I, I said, what's wrong? Her husband starts to cry. He said, I don't know. Do something. And I want to go, really? You want me to do something? We preach this. You don't expect us to demonstrate it, do you? Come on now, church. You see what we've done with the gospel? We brought it so low to fit us down here rather than rise up to where it is. So, so I, he said, do something. Well, the first thing, I thought, well, is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> and there wasn't, but there were three nurses. Here they come running. And they examined her, and I mean, you know, and in a minute they all look up at me and go, she did. But then I got the word. Down, this Jesus down here said, son, keep the people in worship, and I'll raise her from the dead. That's what he said. So we got up here. We, now, we're in a Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptists. Now, this was a tampered with Baptist. But anyway, so we start singing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus. And I never sung it like that in my life. It was so loud, you couldn't hear yourself think. I don't know if they're singing out of praise or they're scared to death. It's going to happen to them. 
But them, they were singing. And, and, and uh, had on a lapel mic. Ten minutes went by. I walked by, I went back, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke death, call life. Other, others did the same. A number of people prayed for her. Nothing. Ten minutes, ten minutes, she's still dead. We're still singing, blessed assurance. <laughs> I mean, generally, I mean, I don't mean we were just singing it, but if you can holler it, we were hollering it. And somebody had called the ambulance, and I looked through the window, and I could see the, the lights flashing. I thought, what are we going to do now? You told me she's going, you're going to raise her from the dead, and she's dead, then she's still dead, and there's the ambulance. About that time, I saw the old boy open the door, come in the foyer, the ambulance driver. And I happened to look over at her, and I saw her eyeballs move. They saw them move a little. And then I saw her lips. I couldn't, I didn't know what she said, other than I read her lips. I read her lips, because you couldn't hear yourself think hardly. And her lips said, praise the Lord. I said, you're going to do it, aren't you? This is the truth. I said, you're going to do it. Now listen to me. About, about the time that ambulance driver came through the foyer door on into the sanctuary, she jumped straight up, threw both hands in the air like this, and hollered, praise the Lord. When she did, talk to June about it. When she did... The atmosphere changed immediately. I could hear cracking and popping and like a... It, I'm, I've never been in anything before. It, I cannot tell you. I mean, I cannot even explain. But the atmosphere was electrical. Well, that poor old ambulance driver, he ran into that. He whirled around and ran back in the foyer. <laughs> he wouldn't come back in. I don't blame him. And he, one of the ushers, I saw that one of the usher one night, he said, why'd you come here? The ambulance driver said, I come to get that dead woman. The, the usher said, she ain't dead no more. God's raised her from the dead. And the ambulance driver said, well, she's going to have to come out here and sign this receipt that she ain't dead. She had to go sign that receipt that she ain't dead. Now, that's the only time anything like that's ever happened to my knowledge. What I'm saying is, I mean, that, that excites me just to tell it to you again. But why should it? I mean, you know what Jesus did? I mean, Lazarus, come on now, when, when, when he raised Lazarus, Lazarus didn't walk out of the grave. He's all bound. He floated out. How would you like to tell that in the testimony meeting at church on Sunday? Well, I was down at the grave, and Jesus raised old life, and he floated out, and you won't believe what happened. Now, how many, wouldn't it be wonderful if, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if our Sunday mornings got to be where we gathered together, and we had an hour and a half of just letting people, what happened to you, and what have you seen since we met last? I mean, I saw two dead raised, and I've seen 18 get saved, and Four got healed. I saw three blinded eyes. Why not? That's how Jesus did it. What I'm saying, let's, let's, let's go up with it, not down with it. Because Jesus said, if you believe the works that I do, you will do also. I didn't say that. It's whether I believe that or not. Now, now this next one called Pentecostals have run off with it. 
charismatics have run off with it. Greater works than these shall you do. All right? Testimony time. Tell me somebody that beats Jesus in his ministry. I want to hear it. You won't find anybody. Jesus was not talking about, listen, quality. But he was talking about quantity. Here's the quantity. When I got saved, I already said it, you, got, you stepped into him. Isn't that right? He stepped into you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That means right here tonight, every one of you go into your respective world, have the same Jesus that said greater things. You can do things that he did, and you can do it around the world. There's the magnitude of it. Wow. Well, And I want to deal with the word now. I'm, I'm trying not to preach too long. I think I did last night. Look, look, look at, look at. Verse 12. I want to read the whole verse again. Most assuredly, you can be well assured, said Jesus. I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Here's the next word. Because. That's, I want to I jump on that. Because I go to the Father. All of what I've mentioned before this is because I go to the Father. What had that to do? Here's what it. This, I mean, you know, I may just cut loose a run in here in a minute, but. This is what fires me up. He said, because I go to the Father, the works that I did, you can do. Because I go to the Father. Because Hebrews 1, 3, Hebrews 10, said our great high priest, we talked about it today, sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down. What does that mean? Done everything that needs to be done. Nothing else needs to be done. Finished. Sat down. The high priest sat down. Never, listen, never to have to go in and sacrifice again. It's grace. What, what, what is grace anyway? Great Grace is doing it all and letting me get in on it. Let, let me give you an illustration. If tonight... Pastor Jeff gave me two tickets to the next Kansas City game. Or gave me two tickets. On the way home, I can say, Honey, I got two tickets to the next Kansas City game. I want you to go with me. He didn't give them to her. He gave them to me. But she's going on grace. <laughs> Do you understand? Father said, son, you'll have to go to Calvary and you'll have to die and you'll have to pay the price. But I'll raise you from the dead. Now watch this. So that you can say to the children, son, I paid your bill. Let's go to the game. 
I, I, I love the gospel. I, 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 love, I love the gospel. The more I read and study and pray with the gospel, the more I fall in love with what the gospel's all about. But he sat down at the right hand of the Father. It's finished. Tell you it's over. And now watch this. The second part here. Because I go to the Father and he sat down, now he will do what he promised the boys he would do at Pentecost. Watch this. Because he walked around on earth after the resurrection for 40 days. Isn't that right? I mean, he, some 500 people he revealed himself to. 40 days walked around and then he was ascended back into heaven. Right? And told them to go tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued, clothed, put on the power of God. And it was 10 days before he released it because he released it on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. Passover he died, 40 days he stayed on earth, goes back to heaven 10 days before Pentecost, and on Pentecost, they were all praying. All of a sudden, a wind. Can you imagine? Wind started to blow. And they heard a sound. A sound. A sound. Let me tell you what I'm hearing. I hear a sound. Let me tell you the sound that I'm hearing. You remember when David, the young teenager, faced the giant? You and I are facing a giant right now. But I love, I love the story of young David, who was a worshiper, you know. But I'm going I'm to give you my sanctified imagination of what I think went on with David. I think David, who was a little shepherd boy and a worshiper, and a musician, and a psalmist, if you will. I think he's, he's got his, uh, what we would call a slingshot. It's not a flip. That's what we always had. This is a, a big, long piece of leather with a little pouch on the end of it like this, and they would hold it between there, and they'd go like this with it. So I think he stopped at the brook and got him five smooth stones and started walking toward a nine-foot at least a nine-foot man, a teenager. And he goes toward him and he said, these are my words, Mr. Giant, I don't come to you in the name of the Democrats or the Republicans. I don't represent Washington. I don't remember, I don't, re I, I don't represent Montgomery and Alabama, which is our state capital. I don't, I come I'm coming, Mr. Giant, with a revelation of who God is. And I'm walking in that revelation. And I've come to tell you, Mr. Giant, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to cut your head off. And now watch this. And then what happened next? A sound was created. Here's the sound. Whoom. Can't you just see David, teenagers going like this? He killed a bear and a giant. A lion. Here it is. Whoom. Whoom. I'm kind of hearing some whoomps. 
Whom? And I believe, I believe at an appropriate time, the Spirit said, Loosen, David. And that rock, that rock caught him right here. Down he went. I can just see David. He goes over, takes the sword from the giant, cuts his head off. I know it's a little gross, but I love to tell it. And I can see old David come down that hill. Look here, boys. <laughs> the church of Jesus Christ is creating a sound. But it comes out of the upper room. You can have what grace said you can have if you're willing to receive it. The thing with all of us is I want to do something to get him to do it. If he said he would do it, believe he'll do it and he'll do it. Just say yes. I mean, let me show you something. We're not going to take an offering so I'm going to get busy here. See him. Well, I got uh, a couple of these. I'm gonna get this young man behind you, brother. Would you help me, son? Would Would you come in? Yeah, come up here. Would you like to have some money? You would. Huh? I thought you would. What, what What if I said to you, I'd give you some money if you'll take it? Would you take it? Would. Have you worked for me before? You never worked for me, have you? No. You, you don't deserve this, do you? Yeah. <laughs> do, do, you, you, now what, this is a grace transaction. He, he'd like to have some money. I, I'm not paying him for working. Because what happened at Pentecost was a gift. If you could earn it, it wouldn't be a gift. So if I offered you these, you'd take it, wouldn't you? You would what would you say when I gave it to you? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> do you see what happened? I said I would do it. He believed, he believed it. I handed it to him, and his response was, thank you. Why don't we just start right now and go, Lord, thank you. Stop trying to earn it. Just say thank you. You said it, Lord. I receive it. You can say, thank you for having me, son. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> now I'm going to tell you have I got time to tell okay I've, I've told you this but I have a purpose in this I've told you this story before the reason I'm going to tell it to you now is that God told her every time she told it he would touch her again she probably is in heaven now that's what we would think but every time I, I remember when I got my hands on the cassette tape with this testimony, Randy. June came in one day and our girls, how old were Vicky Don at the time? 10 or 12 years old. These are just little kids now sitting listening to this testimony that I'm going to share with you very briefly, just a snippet. And June said, I walked in the room and the presence of God was there and two kids with the tears running down their face. Because what they're hearing has the anointing of God on it. And that's the reason I want to tell it to you again. Because I want to release that kind of anointing, even though I've told it before, into the atmosphere. There was a lady a, a number of years ago. 
Some of you probably know the story, may have read her book about it, or heard the cassettes or whatever. Her name was Betty Baxter. She traveled with Oral Roberts after she got healed in tent, in tent meetings for all over. Betty Baxter, we, we were privileged when I was pastoring. Jim and I were privileged to have her twice. I think we had her twice. She's a real lady, just as common as I am. But here, here's, here's her story, and I'm going to tell it to you. It's about a, a miracle that I'm asking God to release in, into this house tonight. Betty Baxter was 17 years old. She had five incurable diseases. Every vertebrae in her back was out of place. She had a heart condition. I think she had a lung condition. I don't remember. But she had five incurable diseases. She had been to the doctor and finally they sent her home to die. Dr. Bailey was her doctor, as I remember. They sent Betty Betty home uh, to die. And so she is home from the hospital, never to return, but a 17-year-old girl to die. And guess what? One day Jesus came and said, Betty, I'm coming to heal you. I don't know what month this was. Seemed like it was in the springtime. It was in the springtime. And Jesus came to Betty and said, Betty, I'm coming on August the 13th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm going to heal you. Did she believe that? She did. See, she camped on it. And so time went on. She said there were, there were, there were times that she'd be discouraged and, 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 and the Lord would revisit that again. And, and, and one day uh, uh, her, her mama come into the room where Betty was in the bed and Betty had never told her mama. And she said, Mama, Jesus came to me and told me on August the 13th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he's coming to heal me. She hollered, praise God, he told me the same thing. Well, you know what she did? She got in the car, backing out of the garage. And Mr. Baxter, who must have been a good man, but he didn't believe that. And she's backing out of the garage. And Mr. Baxter comes and said, where are you going? He said, she said, I'm going to the store. I'm going to buy Betty a pretty new dress and a new pair of shoes because when Jesus heals her, she's going to wear them to church. Oh, Mr. Baxter said, she's lost her mind. Miss Baxter says, if she's lost hers, I've lost mine because that's what I believe too. And she bought Betty a pretty blue dress, Betty said, hung it up in her bedroom so you could see it. Took shoes and put them on the dresser. So Betty could see the shoes she was going to wear when she got healed. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. It's a true story. So the interesting thing is that when August the 13th came, all of them went to, to church in Sunday school. Betty couldn't go. She was an invalid. They had to prop her up in a chair. And she was just propped up with pillows and humped over. And, and, and that day at Sunday school, they said she had a little five-year-old brother. In Sunday school, they asked, anybody got anything they want to say? And, and he called Betty Sissy. He said, I do. He said, as soon as we go home and eat dinner today, Jesus is coming to our house and going to heal Sissy and make her bigger than me. That was a five-year-old's testimony. Betty said, that afternoon, some of the relatives came in. The pastor was gone off somewhere. He wasn't there. We was all sitting around in the room waiting on three o'clock. Miss Baxter uh, said to Betty, Betty, what do we do when Jesus is coming 
She said, I don't know, Mama. I guess we pray. She said, we started to pray. And I heard the clock strike three. One, two, three. She said, when it struck three, it was an August day. And, the, and a wind hit that, our house. The curtain stood straight out. And I heard a door slam in the back of the house. And over here where Betty's sitting in a chair, all propped up. They said there was this big white fleecy cloud like they'd never seen before. And the Lamb of God stepped out of that cloud. Walked right over where Betty was standing. And stood right before, just like this. Didn't say a word. And Betty said... Uh, uh, that that when, when he walked up to her because I couldn't move my hands I'm trying to I'm trying to reach up and touch him but I can't get my hands up and he's just standing there looking at me and Mama says Jesus you're gonna have to get a little closer she can't touch you but I finally just gave out and I couldn't touch him I couldn't do nothing because I think he wanted all the glory for it so in a minute he said. She said he took another step and this is what she said. He laid them hot hands on me and when those hot hands touched me, he, she said, I felt my heart pop in place. She said, I heard vertebrae in my back cracking and popping and before I knew it, I'm standing straight up, healed from the top of my head to the end of my toes by the power of God. That's the Jesus that lives in you. Betty said after he healed me, I stood there before him completely healed. He just looked at me as if to see how pretty he had made me. And uh, Betty said, he said, Betty, go tell people that I'm coming soon. And whenever you tell this, I'll touch you all over again. That's what you feel now is her testimony of what happened to her. Now that ain't all the story. Let me end it. Well, church time came that night. Betty said, Mama put that new dress on me. Them new shoes was too big, said you had to stuff newspapers in the toes of them so my shoes would fit. And we all go to church. And she said, the Baxters kind of filled up one pew. Wasn't nobody there hardly because we just had a little student pastor coming and fill in that weekend. And nobody wants to come in here. And she said, we just kind of sitting there waiting on church to start. And uh, before we knew it, we, we, people start coming in and more people came in and we go looking around and there's people coming from everywhere. We don't know what's going on. And before we knew it, you could hear horns blowing out in the parking lot. And the minute when it was so packed, the sheriff comes down the aisle of the church and said, uh, my little brother said uh, to, to Betty, sissy, what's that sheriff? I don't know, but he's come here to get somebody. And he walked down, I mean, he's got his guns on in church, comes down right here, gets up in the pulpit, gets up and stands up in the pulpit and goes, now they don't know the Baxters. This is what he said. This is the sheriff. The word is out that God has healed the little Baxter girl. If you're here, will you please come now and stand down here a minute? I've got the worst traffic jam I've ever had. Will you come down here and let people look at you and then go get in your car and leave? How many of you know we need some traffic jam? We need some testimonies like that. The sheriff said, he saw Betty coming and she came with her daddy and and, and, and she said, Daddy, just picked me up and stood me on the altar like this. And just let people stand there like this. And said, the sheriff gave the altar call. 
The sheriff, the world now is recognized. God's in the house. The Jesus that lived in you as a believer has now risen up. And she said, we, they just started coming. When they'd come by, she said, they'd just come by. And I didn't say a word. They'd just look at me. And so mom would take a few steps and fall on her face and give their heart to Jesus without nobody saying a word. She said, some of them would walk by and get healed when they went by. But let me tell you something, church. That's a real deal. You say it's an exception. It may be an exception, but it ought not to be. It ought to be the norm. Because the Jesus Christ that lives in you is the same Jesus that's always been. And he's trying to get a bride to rise up and let him be who he is. So the better Baxter story that people are coming out of St. Joe and they're coming out of St. Joe and in and, and Kansas City, have you heard what's been going on in Hosanna? Well, they're getting healed. And, the, and they say they're getting saved and filled and delivered. We just want to go watch the fire burn. I'm telling you, the Jesus in you is still the answer. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus. How do we get in on it? Am I a believer? I qualify. Am I hungry for more? I am. Am I willing to receive? I am. Do I believe I can? I do. If you can say yes to those, I wouldn't sit in that seat long until I found me a place, until I had an encounter with God that changed my life forever. That I said, Almighty God, the God that was, I need you to be an ears in my life because I'm now coming to see he who lives in me is bigger than he who's out there in the world. That he who lives in me is the same king that walked on the road and he walked and healed the blind. The same Jesus, come on now, the same Jesus that walked water and healed the blind and made the deaf to hear again and the sick were, the sick were healed and raised. That same Jesus lives in you. I think it's time we had a heaven, holy ghost encounter with that kind of Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe you could come and, well, there, thank you so much. Maybe you could just come and play for us. Mm. Jesus, will you, will you? I don't know what God's doing with these guys. That, that's between them and God. I just know. That there is some availability here right now that's easy to tap into. You remember that, that little dollar thing? Stop trying and just say, if you said it, I believe it. Don't struggle with it. Just say yes. So Lord, I'm asking tonight in the name of Jesus, to help us tap into the because of, of uh, John 14. Lord, that you said these things that I did, you'll do because that I am totally, absolutely convinced the throne is occupied because it's finished. I'm totally, absolutely convinced that because the throne is occupied, the Spirit of God has been released. 
And I can have what he died to give. That Pentecost is mine because I am a believer. How many people, while every head is bowed and every eyes closed, how many people in this building can say, you know, preacher, I'm hungry for more. You can get down beside the chair where you are. Get out in the aisle. Come down here. But I'm hungry for more. If you're hungry for more, find you a place with God. Find a place. I don't care where it is. But you and God meet somewhere down by that chair, down here at the altar, in the back of the building. But somewhere you and God meet and just say, Lord, what I've been hearing, I want to walk in. I want to walk in that because. I want to walk in the revelation of it in the name of Jesus. Father, for every heart that's crying out, for every heart that's hungry, for everyone that's wanting for more. I pray, Lord, when the benediction has been said in just a few minutes. I can't explain it, but I know I'm in His presence. I know that on this Friday night, I was tasting and I saw that the Lord was good. I know that what Betty Baxter experienced in my heart, I've the same Jesus living. And tonight is my night to move to another level in Jesus' name.